Um, who here likes food? Oh my gosh, I love food. Food is my absolute favourite. I love food. Um, I want to show you a little bit of a video uh, that is going to get you a little bit hungry. I follow these guys on Instagram. They are called The Food Bible. Have a look at the screens. Oh my gosh, how good does that look? Sorry to anyone who is gluten-free and can't eat pizza. Um, sucks to be you. Um, I showed you, I looked through loads of their videos on YouTube this afternoon and I was starving after it. Um, I absolutely love food, but I wonder, have you ever been so hungry that any piece of food will do? Have you ever, I, do you know, I am... Um, we're going to talk tonight about, about fasting and going hungry, not just like giving up food, but giving up other stuff. Um, but previously, when I've fasted and I've given up food, I have got to a point in the day where literally anything is attractive to me. So I can think about, like, I don't like McDonald's. I'm not a big fan of McDonald's. I know. I like, I love their breakfasts. McDonald's breakfasts, 10 out of 10. Big Macs and Quarter Pounders. Six, maybe even four out of ten. Not a big fan. All in for the KFC. Big up KFC. Um, but I will reach a point in the day when I've, when I've fasted and I've given up food where I'll start to think about a Big Mac and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Or I'll start to think about sprouts and I'll think, oh, I could murder a bowl of sprouts right now. Like I get that hungry that anything will do. And you know, fasting is not something that I'm very good at. Um, Remember, um, a, when I was a teenager, we did something called a 24-hour famine uh, to raise money for a, an organization called World Vision. And me and my youth group, we decided we were all going to give up food for 24 hours and do like a stay over, stay over the night at church and play some games and stuff like that. Um, and I was about 13, 14. And I remember hitting about 6 o'clock in the evening and being absolutely starving. And my mate Kev decided that he was going to sneak out and go to the local Chinese. And I was like, mate, I'm in. I'm coming with you. I'm all in for this. And we snuck out of our church. We went round the corner to the local Chinese and got two large spring rolls. Um, they're called chop suey rolls in Liverpool, but they're massive. I still love them now. And me and Kev went round into the entry, like we were going to smoke cigarettes, but instead we had spring rolls. And we were in the end, like in the back alleys, just slyly eating a chop suey roll. Um, and I was, people gave me money to give up food, and I took it, um, and I cheated my way um, to a 24-hour famine. Another time that I've uh, not handled hunger well is uh, when Laura and I were engaged, we decided that we were going to fast and pray for our upcoming marriage. So we decided to set a day where we were going to be together and we were going to give up food. And it is the only time that me and Laura have ever properly fallen out. Like we ended up sat in separate rooms in Laura's house in London because we were so hangry that we just couldn't be in each other's presence anymore. And we were supposed to be praying for our marriage. We've agreed never to fast on the same day ever again. But you know, fasting does make a difference. There are times when I've fasted and I've seen God do incredible things. You know, um, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Uganda uh, with an organization called Tear Fund. Um, and uh, I went in February. Uh, so it was about this time of year that I went three years ago. And uh, in, the, in the period up, I fasted in preparation because I knew that God was going to do significant stuff in me and through me when I was out there. And I spent that time going, 
in the build-up from Christmas through to when I, when I flew out, I spent that time fasting on stuff and giving up stuff and saying, God, I want to focus on you and not the things of this world because I want to be ready and in a place to hear from you um, in the best possible way. Um, another time that um, it's not me, uh, but a friend of mine, Simon, who I used to work with when I worked in Manchester working in prisons, he felt God say to him that I want you to fast for 40 days. And he felt God say, I want you to give up food for 40 days, four zero days he didn't eat for. And um, he said to me, like, the first week was really difficult. Like, day three and day four, he had massive headaches and was really struggling. Then got into it and was absolutely fine and was, wasn't struggling at all. He still drank water because y- your body can last without food for that long, um, so long as you're drinking lots of water. But then at the end of it, because he knew that he was going to have food, he said the last week was really, really difficult because he knew he was going to be able to have food again. But he said there was this one point where he was leading worship in, in his church and it was about two days before his fast finished and he said he just felt the presence of God come on him in a way that he's never had before. And he said, I had to put my guitar down and he said, I just wept because I knew God was meeting with me. And you know what was incredible is a couple of months later after Simon had done that, that fast, um, we, we had the privilege of baptising four lads who were in prison. We got to go into prison, into the chapel and baptise four lads um, who said they want to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. And I think part of that, part of the reason that we saw such, such incredible stuff is because Simon chose to fast. Now, I want to clear up some things about the theme of fasting, okay? Um, so we're talking about the theme of hungry, um, um, but I want to tell you what fasting isn't, okay? The first thing is that fasting isn't a way to diet, okay? It's not a way to lose weight. It's not a formula. Fasting isn't a formula. that If you, if you give up this for 24 hours, it's not like you're doing a deal with God to say, okay, God, well, if I give up my phone then you will give me a Ferrari. It's not a formula like that. It's not to persuade God or to change his mind. And fasting isn't exclusive to food. So some of you might already be thinking about what you're going to give up and what you're going to fast when we come to the hungry event. You know, it can be your your phone, social media, your games console. Um, You could fast wearing shoes. I don't know. You could, please don't fast wearing clothes. That would be highly inappropriate and awkward for all of us. Um, mostly you. But here's what fasting is about. It is about fixing our eyes on Jesus. You see, I can't, I'm really pathetic. I can't go more than four or five hours without a meal. Okay, only when I'm sleeping I can do it. But I can't go without four or five hours without food. If I do, I start to get hungry and I start to get a little bit faint. And I'm really pathetic. But when, when I give up food, what I'm doing is I'm taking my eyes off the things of this world, food, and I'm fixing them on Jesus. And I'm saying, Jesus, you are more important to me than food. You are more important to me than my mobile phone. You're more important to me than my games console. And we take our eyes off the things of this world and we fix them on Jesus. Because it's about getting a perspective from Jesus and being able to see the world and see our circumstances and see our friends in the way that Jesus sees them. So... What we're going to do is uh, we're going to look at a little story in the Bible um, to help us unpack um, thinking about the hungry theme and stuff. Um, So it's going to come up on the screen, so don't worry if you haven't got a Bible. Um, But it's from Mark 2, and it says 
this. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an open in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. How can God... How can Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love, when I read the Bible, I love putting myself in the shoes of the characters in the Bible. Imagine being the guy that owns this house. Okay, so he's super excited that Jesus has come to speak to some people in his house. He's like, yeah, it's going to be sick. It's going to be amazing. Loads of people turn up. It's like the biggest house party in the world ever. And loads of people turn up. And then these four lads turn up with their mates, carrying them on a stretcher. And they realize they can't get them in. And they have a think and they go, right, boys, let's go on the roof. And we'll dig a hole in the roof. Like, imagine being the guy who owned the house. And you sat there listening to Jesus going, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm making loads of notes. I'm going to tweet all of these things. And then you look up and you just start to realize that your house has suddenly got a skylight. And then you see this, you would would be kicking off. You'd be sat there thinking, how am I going to explain this to my insurance company? Like, the guy must have been going absolutely berserk, thinking, why is somebody digging a hole in my roof and then lowering some guy on a stretcher down? But that's what happens. And what we're going to do is I want to put us into this Bible story and begin to think, about the characters. So Lauren is going to bring a mat for us, which is going to represent the mat that the paralyzed man was sat on, uh, lying on. And I need my four friends uh, to come and join me. Um, I've already picked them, um, so you can chill. Uh, so we've got Dan pretending to be a friend because he's got no friends. Um, we've got, I'm your friend, Dan. Um, we've got Jack, we've got Jess, and we've got Lauren. So Dan, if you sit, if you sit up, th- well, yeah, there we go, done. Brilliant. So, what we're going to do is um, I want to open up what I think maybe some of the motives were for the friends carrying this paralyzed man to Jesus. Okay, so we're going to look at each friend and think about what, what might may have made them get up that morning and carry their mate and dig a hole in someone's roof and lower them to Jesus' feet. The first friend, Jess. Jess is going to represent the friend that was confident you see, Jess had heard Jesus preach before. She'd heard Jesus do, she'd seen Jesus do these miracles. She was there when Jesus turned water into wine. She was there when Jesus healed a leper. And she knows, she is dead certain that if she gets her mate before Jesus, he will heal her. She is super confident in what God can do. And perhaps you're like Jess is that you think about your mates, you think about your mates that you have at school, and you think, you know that if they met Jesus, everything would change for them. 
You know what, what Jesus has done in your own life. You know what you've seen Jesus do in other people's lives around you. And you are confident that if you get your mates before Jesus, everything will change. You know, on Monday nights, I play football um, every week. Uh, try to every week, anyway. And most of the people that play aren't Christians. And me and my mate Adam, we're Christians, and there's a couple of other Christians. But most people that play aren't Christians. And I'm really enjoying getting to know these fellas. I'm, getting, I'm enjoying chatting to them and stuff. But I know that there's some stuff going on in their life that is painful for them. And I am confident that if they met Jesus, their life would be transformed. That's what I'm going hungry for. That's what I'm desperate for. There's a, you, you might have a confidence in who Jesus is. Are you hungry for your friends to know Jesus? This could be why you're fasting. Friend number two, Lauren over here. Lauren's heart just breaks for her mate. She's seen him lying there for years. He was born paralyzed and she's, she's, she's just, her heart is broken. She goes home after hanging out with him and she just feels awful at what he's going through. And she is desperate for God to do something. And she brings him out of compassion because she knows that he can't get to Jesus himself. And she knows that she's got to do something to help him get there. I wonder if you look at your world and your heart breaks. I wonder if you look at the news or your Facebook or Instagram feed and you see the stuff going on in the world and your heart just breaks. You know, a few years ago, like I said before, I got to go to Uganda and um, as part of the trip, we went and spent a night in the jungle um, in a little village um, and it was mad. We slept in a mud hut um, and at six o'clock in the morning, the family that we was we were staying with, uh, woke us up and said, we're going to get some water. So we got up and walked about 20 minutes away from the village and got to a watering hole. And we were with uh, their kids and they were saying, right, we're going to collect water for our family for the day. And this is where they collected the water from. It should come up on the screens. Now, I stood there and looked at that water and I thought, I really hope they're not going to drink that. And I looked at it and I thought, I wouldn't swim in that water, let alone drink it. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe when they get back to the village, they'll have one of these filtering systems and, you know, it'll filter all the filth out of the water. And they didn't. And their eight-year-old son, Junior, took, took a swig straight from the bottle, stood in that lake. And my heart broke. And, you know, later that afternoon, we had the opportunity to go around and, and pray in people's homes with them and get to meet all these families in the village. And we went to this one house, and um, they, they said, oh, we, we would like to bless you with some gifts. And uh, they gave us some chickens, which was an interesting story and a story for another time. Um, but they also came out with, with two bottles, glass bottles of Coca-Cola. And they said, we want you to drink this Coca-Cola. So we drank it, we shared it with them. And I sat there and I thought, how can I live in a world where it is easier to get Coca-Cola than it is to get clean drinking water? My heart breaks for these people. That's why I love Tear Fund. That's why I give money to Tear Fund. That's why I, I am passionate about people like Jordan who goes out and saves these communities. We have to be compassionate about our world. You can uh, take it off the screen now, Charlie. Thanks. You know... 
Charlie, who's at the back, she has been filled with compassion about a friend of ours who's been given less than six months to live. He's got a young boy, um, and, he, and he's been given six months to live because he's got a brain tumour. And Charlie has been filled with compassion and decided that she is going to raise some money to, to help the family have one last family holiday. She's been filled with compassion to act and to move. And, you know, you might, you might be filled with compassion about your friends. You might have compassion about your friends who are ill. You might have compassion about a family member who is ill. And the reason that you are desperate to get them to Jesus, because you want to see Jesus do something. Are you hungry for change in the world? Maybe that's why you're fasting. Friend number three, Dan, is consumed. He is just desperate. They've tried everything with their mate. They, they've tried yoga. They've tried herbal medication. They've tried smothering them in honey. Nothing is working, and they are just desperate. And they are consumed with, with the pain of what his mate is going through. They feel like giving up and they're bringing Jesus, uh, they're bringing this guy to Jesus as a last act and going, do you know what? We tried everything else. Maybe Jesus can do something. He's reached the end of himself and he just wants a breakthrough. Perhaps tonight you're feeling consumed. You're feeling overrun. You're feeling desperate. Maybe... There's issues in your life that you just feel overawed, that you feel fed up with. Do you know, I think there's, I know there's some people here that, that struggle with anxiety. And maybe you just feel overcome and desperate and fed up of feeling like this. Maybe you've got addiction going on in your life and you just, you know, every time you turn to it, you feel desperate, you feel overrun, you feel fed up. You know, as we were as we were praying before, I uh, I felt like God gave me a picture of of someone just sat in their bedroom crying because you feel like you don't know what to do anymore. You feel consumed by what is going on. You feel desperate. You feel hopeless. Let me read something to you from the Bible. It's what Jesus said. It's from John sixteen. It says, "I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace." In this world, you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. Love the promises of Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has the power to break anxiety. Jesus has the power to break addiction. Jesus has the power to break the things that are making you feel desperate, that are making you feel consumed, that are making you feel hopeless. Jesus has the power to break it because he has overcome the world. I wonder if you're hungry for, hope, uh, for breakthrough. Are you hungry for breakthrough? Maybe that's why you're fasting. Or friend number four, Jack. Jack is confused. He doesn't know why he was there. Someone told him there'd be free pizza, and that's why he's there. He's just doing a favor for a mate. The other three came to him and said, the three of us can't carry a stretcher. We need a fourth person. And, and he thought there'd be free pizza. There. He thought it'd be fun. He was told there'd be a disco and all this kind of stuff. But he's got there, and he doesn't know what's going on, and he's all confused. And maybe tonight you're confused, and you ain't got a clue what's going on. Maybe tonight you're, you're not a Christian, and you're thinking, Andy, what on earth are you going on about? Maybe you're hearing 
you know, you, you come to church regularly, but you only come because you, your parents force you to be here and, and tell you you've got to go to Threads. But here's what's interesting. In Luke 5, verse 26, the, the, so the Gospels, uh, it's a lot of the same stories, but just told from different angles. And Luke tells, it, tells the same story, and it ends like this. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So the guy over here is confused. He doesn't know what was going on. He was only here for free Peter, but he saw incredible things that day. You know, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. It doesn't matter how confused you are. You can still witness incredible things in your life. You know, I don't know if you know, but God's been doing some pretty exciting stuff at Hub on a Friday night. Um, I am really excited about what's going on on Friday nights in Hub. Um, We've opened a prayer room uh, back in October. And um, the last two weeks have been pretty intense. Um, Last week, we, me and Jess were in the prayer room, and we had the opportunity to pray for five people to get healed, and they all got healed. And it was amazing. This, this lad came in, and he had and hurt his ankle. He'd hurt it weeks ago, and he had mil- minimal movements. I said, show me how much you can move it, and I'm going to do it with my hand so you can see it. But he could barely move his ankle like that. And he said, I'm always in pain with it. And I said, mate, I believe God can heal. I want to pray for you. I didn't even touch his ankle. I got his mate, who's not a Christian, to put his hand on his ankle, and I said, we're going to pray. And we prayed, and I said, amen, and I said, give it a test, and he went, nah, nah. And he was like, honestly, he was running around the prayer room going, boys, boys, God's real, God's real. Flipping it, boys, boys, this is mad, this. And I'm going, okay, okay, so if it started at a 10, and zero is completely healed, where are you on that scale? And he said, mate, I, f- I think I'm like a five. I was like, okay, so let's pray again. Let's see what God does. So, so we pray again. I got his mate to put his hands on his, on his ankle, and we prayed. And I said, go on, test it. This time he had even more movement. He had no pain at all. And he's like, boys, it's a zero. I'm completely healed. This is amazing. And then they all just kicked off, and they were like, nah, right, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And this other guy goes, pray for my shoulder. And I goes, what's wrong with your shoulder? And he goes, well, I can lift my hand to there. And I, I hate it playing rugby the other week. Um, but, yeah, it's really sore, and I can only lift my hand that far. So I said, okay, let's pray. So I put my hand on his shoulder. I prayed a really simple prayer. And I said, test it now. And he went, bang. And we were like, shut up. And they're like, boys, God is real. And I'm like, this is sick. Then it just got even weirder. Um, Well, it didn't get weird. What was really cool is it was all really normal. But it got really exciting. Because then I thought, let's play about a bit. Let's get the boys to pray for each other. So I said to the lad who got his ankle healed, we came around to pray for another lad who had an ear infection. And I said, this time, I want you to pray. So I got him to put his hand on his mate's ear. And I said, I'll tell you what to pray. And then you just repeat it and you pray. So I stood behind him and I whispered in his ear, dear God, dear God. And we we went through this prayer. We prayed. And I said, test your ear. And he said, yeah, yeah, it's a bit better. And we were like, okay. And I said, right, this time, I'm not going to tell you what to pray. I just want you to pray. And you just go for it. This is a guy who's not a Christian, okay? He's not like gone through the Robbie Dawkins school of, of healing ministry. He's, you know, no one's in the background playing Holy Spirit music. This is just in the prayer room on a Friday night, a non-Christian lad praying for his non-Christian mate. He says, dear God, will you heal, heal, heal his ear in the name of Jesus? Amen. I said, test your ear. He went, yeah, it's totally better. 
absolutely amazing. Friday night, just gone. Jack and Nick were in the prayer room. And stuff was kicking off again. Another five or six people got healed. And it was non-Christians praying for non-Christians and healing was happening. Do you know what? These are your mates. These are the people that you sit next to in school. These are the people that you stand next to in the queue for Hub on a Friday night. This, it can happen. And do you know what? I'm really excited. I have no idea what God's doing, okay? I, I've not got a plan or a strategy for it. I just felt like God say, go for it. I went for it, and it's all kicked off. And we've had two weeks of five people getting healed. I don't know what God's doing, okay? I am confused.com. Should have resisted that joke. I am confused, but do you know what? God's doing it anyway, and I'm just getting on board with it. The lads who pray for each other, who aren't Christians, didn't, they were just in there because they wanted to chill out, and yet God met with them in an incredible way. You might be unsure of what you believe about God. You might be unsure of what God is doing in your life. You might be unsure about the things that you have been told to believe, but you just don't know anymore. You might be unsure of your identity. You might be unsure of your future. You might be unsure what on earth I am going on about. Are you hungry for clarity? Maybe that's why you're fasting. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Thank you, guys. You see, the commitment of the four friends was incredible because they got their mate before Jesus. And, you know, we've committed to doing this hungry event. We've never done anything like this before. But we're committed to not just getting your mate, but getting you before Jesus and finding a way for us collectively as a group of young people and a few people that like to be young people like me, professional teenagers, a group of us taking our eyes off the things of this world and fixing them on Jesus. You know, a couple of weeks ago I spoke at Threads, the first Threads that we did in 2017, on Joshua 3, verse 5, Dan, if you want to come up. And it says this, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That word consecrate means, means prepare, make yourself holy. And that's what this is, that's, that's what we're trying to do with Hungry, is get ourselves ready for God to do amazing things. And this stuff that's kicking off on a Friday night in Hub, I'm like, we've not even done Hungry yet. Like, this is going beyond my expectations. Okay, I, if, if someone had, had said, you will see 10 healings before February, I'd have thought it would happen here. But instead, it's happening on a Friday night. And it's so exciting. I think we are on the verge of something significant as a youth ministry and as a church. God's at work. I'm excited. I'm that kind of excited, nervous. Because this could be huge. Like what God's doing in the prayer room, I believe it could be massive. It could be the start of hundreds of young people coming to know Jesus. It could be huge. I think hungry could be huge for some of you. Those of you that are confident in who Jesus is, that you know if you get your mates before Jesus, their lives will be transformed. For those of you that have got compassion on the world and that your heart breaks for those that are hungry, for those that are thirsty, for those that are in poverty around the world, 
I think it's going to be huge for those of you that are consumed and feel overrun. You feel desperate and hopeless. I believe God wants to bring a breakthrough in your life in 2017. Or maybe those of you that are confused and don't know why you're here, don't know what's going on, you're not sure what you believe about God anymore. I believe God wants to bring clarity in 2017. So hungry is a way of taking taking our eyes off the things of the world and fixing them on Jesus. We're preparing ourselves for what God might want to do in the rest of the year. You know, I want to say, if you if you can't make hungry, there's loads of people that can't make hungry. Lots of the leaders can't. Some of you guys have already said, I can't come. I want to say, join in anyway. Find a way to fast. Like, the, the evening stuff that we're doing is, is kind of just... You know, it's extra really. The important thing is we collectively turn our face to Jesus and seek him and pray because we want him to come and meet with us. So here's what we're going to do. Um, when you came in on your seat, there was a hungry flyer, a pen, and two hungry response cards. Okay. The good news is you get to keep the pen and you get to keep the flyer. Generous. You can keep the pen because we've got hundreds of Zion Christian Centre pens and we need to get rid of them before Easter Sunday when we change the name. <coughs> so that's why we're being generous. Um, but what I want you to do is I want you to make a commitment tonight. Now on the on the card it says it says I am hungry for blank. I want you to have a think. What are you hungry for? Who are you hungry for? What situations and circumstances in your life are you hungry for changing? And I want you to write it down there. And then it says, therefore, on the 18th of Feb, I will be going without. And what are you committing to go without that day? Like I said, it could be anything. Don't do something like, oh, you know, you don't normally smoke and you're like, oh, I'm going to go without cigarettes. Like, don't do something that's easy. Do something that's a challenge. I'm going to be doing food that day, okay? That is not going to be easy for me. It's a busy day for me. That is not going to be easy. But I want to take my eyes off the things of this world and fix them on Jesus. And the reason you've got two is I want you to fill it out twice. I want you to take one and I want you, as a sign of saying, I'm in, to come and place it on the mat here. Okay? Because we as a youth team, we want to stand with you in this. You know, I'm going to be praying for my mates who play football on a Monday, who I play football with on a Monday night. But I also want to be praying for your mates and praying for your breakthrough and praying for, for the stuff that you're going through. So what we're going to do is the band are going to sing a song um, for the sake of the world, shine like a light in me. And when you're ready, what I want you to do is come, put your response on the mat, and then stay down here. So stay at the front, because we're going to do a bit of worship, and we're going to sing together, and we're going to seek the face of the Lord together. So before we do that, I'm going to pray. Let me say, before we do that, let me say, if you're not a Christian here tonight, 
There's no pressure on you to do this, okay? There's absolutely no pressure. I know it's been quite uh, kind of focused on Christians tonight, but I've given you kind of like a backstage pass into, into what, um, what God teaches on fasting and why we fast and why we do this stuff. So there's no pressure on you to do this at all. If you're not comfortable and you don't want to do it, that is absolutely fine, okay? But let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you have the power to change stuff. That you're able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. God, I pray that as we think about what we're going hungry for, as we commit to what we're giving up, as we commit to pray, God, I pray that you would you would bring about a change in circumstances, in people's hearts, in our hearts, because God, we're hungry for change. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen.